welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. chapter 1 and verse 1 and we'll read down through verse number 3 the former treaties have I made O Theophilus of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day somebody say until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he showed himself alive after many infallible proofs, being seen of them, who? The the apostles, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom. For a text, I want to take it out of verse 3. He showed himself alive after many infallible proofs. Amen. Look at somebody say the infallible proofs of the resurrection. Tell somebody else the infallible proofs of the resurrection. The Lord bless you. Uh, The New International text uh, of the scripture says he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. The Amplified Version of the Bible says by many convincing demonstrations and unquestionable evidence, he showed himself alive. Infallible here in the text means a sure sign, a positive proof, criterion of uh, certainty, that for which something is surely and plainly known or indubitable evidence. Everybody say evidence. So it was for thousands of years the plan of rescuing and redeeming and saving of mankind had moved steadily along under the divine plan of God, moving from one type and shadow in the Old Testament to another type and shadow and I'll go over some of those types or shadows for you. Uh, They went from one living illustration to another living illustration from one example to another example amen proving that he was coming to deal with the sins of man whether it was the lamb that was slain in the very beginning with Adam and Eve the first sin of man. There they were in the Garden of Eden, made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. Tell somebody, we were made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. Amen. Our mother and father, Adam and Eve, amen, were formed. Adam was formed from the dust of the ground. Therefore, he was made perfect. God breathed into this restructured clay and water mixing together of the dirt until it formed a man in his likeness. Amen. He was thinking about himself while forming this man and then he breathed into man the breath of life and that man became a living soul. Look at somebody say, I'm a living soul. Amen. So we are not like the animals of the earth. The animals are not living souls. Amen. They were not made in the image of God or after his likeness. Only we are. Say, we are made in the image and likeness of God. Amen. But Adam, amen, came under temptation as we all do, but he was the first man that was tempted. Amen. While walking in the garden, a beautiful garden that was east of Eden. 
Somewhere in that garden was a tree. I don't know if it was a pretty tree, an ugly tree, or, or a mediocre tree, but it had fruit on it. Now, some people say it was an apple, but I bind that in the name of Jesus because I love apples, hallelujah. There's no Bible that says the fruit was an apple. It was just some type of fruit. And the Lord said, now, this tree, don't touch it. Don't partake of it. Now, you got the whole garden that's full of trees with fruit on it. You can eat anything else in the garden, but just the one tree, don't touch it. Now, Satan, who was Lucifer, who was the anointed cherub that covereth, God has a multitude of angels. The Bible says there are thousands times a thousand, which is a million, times 10,000, times 10,000. When you see the word 10,000 in Scripture, it means a myriad of or uncalculable number. So there was a million angels times an incalculable number, times another incalculable number, tell somebody of holy angels. They were everywhere. Of those angels, there were just angels, then there were seraphims, then there were three cherubims, Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael were the three cherubims. Of those cherubims, Mike Lucifer was called the perfect angel. He was the anointed angel, amen. He was perfect in his creation, no sin in him. The only thing that was greater than Lucifer was God himself. Come on, tell somebody God's greater than Lucifer. But amen, one day he began to say, I will exalt myself. I will be like the most high. I, I will sit on the mount of the congregation. It's what he said to himself. Amen. But when he thought it, amen, the Bible tells us out of Isaiah 14 that God threw him out of heaven with one third of this innumerable host of angels. They were all cast out of heaven. Why? First reason was because they weren't worshiping God. Look at somebody say, my worship is very important. Tell somebody my praise is very important. He said, oh, that men would praise him. Come on, tell somebody men ought to praise the Lord. But before there was a man, before there was anything, God had begun creation by saying, let there be. Let there be light, and light began to show. And then he began to form the earth. Somewhere's in there between verse 1 and 2 of Genesis, Lucifer, the anointed cherub, rose up in rebellion in his thoughts. When he had that thought of I will exalt myself above the throne of God. God said, no, you won't. Threw Lucifer out of heaven. Revelation 12 tells us like lightning from heaven, Lucifer was cast out, him and one-third of that innumerable host of angels. Tell somebody Lucifer was cast out. He was cast out of heaven. He was cast out of God's presence like lightning. That's 186,000 miles per second. Lucifer was the anointed cherub, but he became the devil at 186,000 miles per second. Amen. When Lucifer disobeyed God, just in thinking, God said, that's not going to work, and threw him out into this earth, him and one-third of the innumerable host of angels. Tell somebody there's still two-thirds of the angels that are on God's side. So amen, it don't matter. You can take God out of the picture in your thoughts. Uh, there's still more good angels to the bad angels. But then you put God in on it. Amen, and we've got an undeniable victory. Tell somebody next to you, God is on our side. But when Lucifer was cast into the earth, he was cast into the earth and became a serpent. And there around the garden in that beautiful place east of Eden, Lucifer appeared. And somewhere in that time, somebody say, how many millions of years ago? How many billions of years ago? Well, it don't matter how long you want to say. The Bible just says there was a day. 
Amen. When Eve was walking in the garden and walked up by that tree and looked up at it and there was the serpent and said, come on, take some of this fruit. She, said, she probably walked off the first 10, 15, 20 times. She kept coming by. She kept coming by. Tell somebody if you keep going by, tell somebody if you keep going by where the devil is, he's gonna tempt you. Tell somebody that's point number 27. <laughs> Amen. He keeps walking, but she keeps walking by until finally, come on, eat this fruit. No, I can't eat the fruit. Well, come on, eat the fruit. God said, I can't eat the fruit. Yeah, but God knows. What do you mean God knows? God knows the day you eat that fruit, you're gonna be just like him. Now, anytime the devil speaks to you, it is 100% guaranteed that it's a lie because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Amen. So he said, come on, you, you know, if you eat that fruit, you're gonna be just like God. She said, what do you mean? I'm already perfect. No, you're not perfect. God's been lying to you. But the day you eat that fruit, that's when you're gonna be just like God. So finally, after one, two, three, 15, 20 times, she took a bite of the fruit. And when she took it, she was born again from life to death. Adam followed her. She went and told Adam, look, I took this fruit. Look, I'm okay. He took the bite of the fruit. Boom, he was born again. Then God, they're walking through the garden looking for God because they met in the cool of the day and somewhere over in a bush, they're saying, Jesus, where are you? And, Adam, and Jesus is walking through there. Adam, Eve, Adam, Eve, where are you? Thank you for helping me. That's it, good preaching. That's better than all these adults that ain't saying nothing. Look at somebody's have babies helping him preach. He went, hey, thank you. I feel good when babies, amen. Amen, he's doing good. And he kept crying for Adam, where are you? He knew where they were, but he wanted them to identify themselves. This is where I'm at. Hey, I'm right here, God. Where are you at? Over here in the bushes. Where? What bushes? I'm over here. See me, God? And he walks out of the bushes. What are you doing with those, with those on, those clothes? Well, we... You know, we just sewed some fig leaves together, cover us up. Why are you covering yourself? He's wanting them to get honest. Tell somebody God wants us to be honest. Amen. That's what is happening here today. This young, beautiful lady right here got the Holy Ghost. She began to repent and tell God she was sorry. She was getting honest. Tell somebody she was getting honest. Come on, tell somebody she was getting honest. She was getting honest with herself and with her God. And when she did that, now, I'd close my eyes and went over there to pray and opened them up and all of a sudden, my God friend was next to her praying with her, hands was up and she, oh, Lord have mercy, look at this. Pastor's praying with her and in just a few minutes, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. You know what happened? She began to repent of her sins. She began to tell the Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry. What did she do? I don't know. What, she, what do you mean? What did she repent of? I don't know, but she repented. That's all that matters. Tell somebody she repented. Amen, and the sign that God forgave her is she began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave her utterance. Tell somebody, God filled her with his Spirit. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen, Amen. and so when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God slew a lamb, skinned the lamb, and covered them with new garments. They were covered, and now because they were sinned, they were put out of the garden Amen, and man began to sin. Why was this happening? Why was the lamb slain? The lamb was slain because Jesus was coming. Tell somebody, Jesus is coming. The ark of God was built by Noah to rescue man from sin for the earth was corrupt and filled with violence and God declared to Moses, the end of all flesh is come up before me for the earth is filled with violence. Tell somebody, our earth is filled with violence. The word violence here means wrong, cruelty, 
and injustice. Tell somebody we're living in that kind of a world. Amen. But God built an ark and put him in there. And he preached for hundreds of years that it's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And nobody believed him. And so when God said it's time to get in the boat that you built, they got in the boat. But it was just Noah and his eight sons and family. That's all it was that got in the boat. Tell somebody not everybody will be saved. But God's going to save somebody. Tell somebody I'm going to be one of those that's saved. Amen. That's the type in the shadow here. God says, you need to make yourself ready. Or it could have been a lamb, one slain, one slain lamb for each of the, uh, for the nation of Israel. How many Jews were there then? 2.5 million were under Egyptian bondage. But God said, I want every house to slay a lamb, every house. Everybody get in your house and then I want a lamb slain. And when you get the lamb slain, I want you to put the blood on the doorpost, amen. And then the death angel walks through the camp, amen. Everywhere there's blood on the doorpost, he'll pass over. Tell somebody he will pass over. And so that angel came through that night and passed over every house that had door on, blood on the doorpost. But the houses that didn't have blood on the doorpost, an elder child was taken. Amen. Why? Because the Lord was giving us a sign, I'm coming, and you've got to have the blood applied to your life. Tell somebody, you've got to have the blood applied. So how's the blood applied? Amen. The blood is applied whenever you are repented and you have been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Tell somebody, in the name of Jesus, my sins are washed away in water baptism. Amen. So I'll go on. Hebrews 10 and 1 through 3 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never with those sacrifices which were offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So he was saying every year the Jews did this annual sacrifice. It could not make them perfect, but all it did was it moved the sin ahead. Tell somebody it moved their sin ahead. Verse 2 says, For then when they would they not have ceased to be offered if they were made perfect? Sure, if their sins were perfect and done away with, they would have ceased to offer lambs. But they continued offering them year by year because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Tell somebody, every year Israel remembered their sins. Verse 5 tells us now, but God, but a body thou hast prepared me. Verse 10 says, we are sanctified through the offering of the body. So Calvary that we're here talking about today in the resurrection, when they offered up the body of Jesus Christ, everybody say once and for all. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, the founding before the beginning. How was Jesus slain before the foundation in the mind of God and his foreknowledge, his ability to look into the future and see things as God from the end, looking back to the beginning, he saw the desperate condition of the year 2022 AD. And in his mind, he said, I'm gonna die before times ticks in this mass of humanity. I'm gonna die in my mind of sin." I'm going to become a sacrifice. I will be the lamb slain from the founding, the establishing, the starting of this world. Look at somebody say, God. Come on, tell somebody, God had already died before time. 
Amen. He said, I'm going to die. So in Hebrews 1 and 3, it says in verse 2, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, everybody say, God by himself purged our sins. Tell somebody, God did it by himself. God purged me of my sins. God purged you of your sins. Tell somebody he did it by himself. Amen, amen. Uh, Here it is. He became, the invisible became visible. God, who no man has seen at any time. Now, when he appears in the man, Christ Jesus, that invisible God now is visible. The abstract becomes concrete. Colossians 1 and 5 says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Image here is likeness, statue, profile, or resemblance on an account of his divine nature and absolute moral excellence. God became the image, Jesus Christ became the image of, of the invisible God, that which has never been seen. Colossians 2 and 9 says, for in him, everybody say, for in him dwelleth all the fullness. Everybody say, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Tell somebody, in Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. Amen. The God that stood on nothing and said, let there be light was now in Christ. Jesus Christ was not the second person of the fictitious trinity, but Jesus Christ was God, the God of Genesis, now robed in a human body. Tell somebody, he did that for me. I'm looking at these two beautiful babies here and I'm off my notes and going a little longer than I wanted to, but tell somebody he's doing real good. Thank you all 18 of you, hallelujah. Still doing good. Whether I ain't got these five said, I'm doing good, don't make no difference, I'm doing good, ain't he? Amen, this beautiful child here. God came in the flesh of the man Christ Jesus in a baby, how? He said to Mary, Mary, you're gonna have a baby. She said, what do you mean I'm gonna have a baby? I ain't never known a man. He said, that's the good news. Well, how can I have a baby seeing I've never known a man? He said, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is gonna overshadow you, Mary, and you shall conceive and bring forth a child. And the Bible said, and Mary said to God, let it be unto me according to thy word. That's capital W-O-R-D. That means according to your logos, your thought or your plan. Let your thought or your plan be unto me. And when she said that, the Bible says the spirit of God overshadowed her. The word overshadowed means a hazy brilliance came upon her. Now she goes for three months. She keeps, you know how it is when women think they're pregnant, they keep checking the mirror. Stick your tummy out, you know, trying to make sure you. Amen, I got these women are laughing at me. Hallelujah. The rest of y'all are gonna be all right. Hallelujah. I mean, how many women, when you found out she's pregnant, looked up the mirror and went, come on, everybody raise your hand, be honest, one, two, three. All right, hallelujah, you did it. You looked. I mean, Mary kept looking and she wasn't seeing no change and she got doubting that her Aunt Elizabeth was six months pregnant and she ended up in the same house with Elizabeth and got to talking and Elizabeth said, Mary, what's wrong with you? She said, well, a little down in her spirit. She said, well, I, I had this visitation from an angel of God and God told me I was gonna have a child. And I said, I've never known a man. And he said, that's good, said, but, but the Holy Ghost is gonna overshadow you and you will bring forth a child and What'd you say, Mary? Well, Aunt Elizabeth, I, I said, let it be unto me according to thy word. And when she said that, Elizabeth went, up. Oh! Mary, Mary said, Elizabeth, what's wrong? She said, the babe that's in my womb kicked whenever you said, 
that the almighty God had overshadowed you. She said, what do you mean? She said, that baby kicked him home. That's a sign, Mary. Amen. It's going to happen. You are going to have that child. We know what happened because that morning he was born. Everybody say, God was born. The fullness of the Godhead, all that God is, was in that little child. The fullness of God, all the power of God, all the knowing of God. Amen. His extreme everywhereness, amen. His omnipresence was in that child. He was all in that baby, but he was everywhere else at the same time. <clears throat> Tell somebody God fills all time and space. So he was filling all of space, but tell somebody he was also in that child. Tell somebody he was in that child. Amen. Then he goes for 30 years and lives, does not perform one miracle for 30 years. Not one miracle is performed. There's only three or four places he can talk about his doings. Amen. In the Bible before, amen, he goes into the wilderness where he will be tempted of the devil for 40 days. Amen. He, he gets there after being baptized in water. And when he comes up out of the water as a man, everybody say as a man, God was baptized as a man. Why? He's dying for the sins of man. You see, the first man, Adam, got us in this mess. Tell somebody the first Adam got us in this mess. But the second man, Adam, was Jesus Christ. The first Adam got us into a mess, but the second Adam, Jesus Christ, got us out of it. Come on, tell somebody. First Adam got us into our drugs. First Adam got us into alcohol. First Adam got us into killing and stealing. First Adam got us into our immorality. But the second man, Adam, got us out. Tell somebody the second Adam got us out. Come on, tell somebody. Jesus gets us out of our sins. Hallelujah. So God's plan has always been to seek and save that which is lost, to rescue man from the slimy grip of sin, to restore mankind the joy of salvation through relationship with him, to redeem man. That means to buy them back from the great oppression and the penalty of sin and being lost for an eternity without God. God has always had this service today in his mind. And you would be here and I would be here. He knew it. He, why would he do that? Have it in mind because he was here to heal the brokenhearted. He was here to bind up those that are bruised, to help those that are hurting. First Corinthians 15 and three says Christ died. Tell somebody Christ died for our sins. Tap yourself on the chest and say for our sins. Amen. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. Romans 4 and 25 declares he was delivered for our offenses. What's an offense? It's a side slip, lapse or deviation, an error, a fault, an offense. It is a lapse or deviation from truth. Amen. Tell somebody we slipped from truth. Tell somebody we slipped from truth. That's why we're in the problem we're in today. That's why man is born in sin. That's why we've got, and I started to give you, I got a sheet here with all kinds of, of uh, statistics on it, but I don't want to use it. I don't want to make it any worse than it is. Just tell somebody, listen to the news, and it'll tell you about our trouble. Amen, I made a decision this past November. Amen, I cut my news off. I don't listen to it. I don't watch it. I don't, I don't pay no attention to the news. Why? Because I'm done with it because I know Jesus is coming. I said, Jesus is coming. Can I tell you, Jesus is coming. So it don't matter about all those millions of people, hey amen, that are drunk on alcohol, 24.6 million people 
hooked on illicit drugs. 17.3 million right now are, are, are uh, hooked on uh, alcohol. Why? Because they were born in sin. What are you saying today? Jesus is ready to save and restore the lost. We love you. We're glad you're here. Amen. I don't know a thing about you, but you got a good smile on your face. You're the boom shakalaka. Amen. Tell them I'm a boom shakalaka because I got the Holy Ghost now. Hallelujah. Amen. But can I tell you, amen, he wants to restore the lost. You may have never got the Holy Ghost, but God wants to restore you. God wants to renew every man, woman, boy, and girl in this city. God wants to save them. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to bind up those that are bruised. He wants to help people that are hurting. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. How did he do that? Remember, he died actually in 33 AD on a hill called Calvary. But the true death of Jesus Christ happened before time in God's mind. Before there was one human. Everybody tell somebody the devil was defeated before he even became the devil. Because God had already in his mind died on the cross. So why did he wait to 33 AD? Because what he had thought in eternity had to become time. I got a good amen right there. Come on, that's, that's good preaching there. Amen. What was done in God's mind, everybody say, from the beginning, now is made manifest in 33 AD. So what does that happen? When he died for sins, he not only died for the sins of that day, but he also died for the sins of the past. Oh, and he also died for the sins that happened this morning. If you sinned this morning, he died for it in 33 AD. What are you saying? I'm saying the devil is defeated. Your victory is guaranteed. All you've got to do is repent of those sins, and God guarantees you he will forgive you. Tell somebody he will forgive us. You can be seated. Romans 5 and 10 declares, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more than being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Oh, my goodness, I'm feeling so much Holy Ghost. We were enemies. What does an enemy mean? It is used of men as enmity with God by their sin, opposing God in the mind. It means to be hostile one to the other. But when reconciled, it is to exchange as coins. Amen. It's to receive into favor. Everybody say receive into favor. And so what happens? Amen. There is the mediation. Now God comes in Christ to mediate. A mediator goes between one who mediates between two parties with the view of prolonged peace. Why did God come in flesh? He came. Amen. To die for the sins of people as a mediator with the view of prolonged peace. The salvation of man necessitates that the mediator should himself possess the nature and the attributes of him toward whom he acts and should likewise participate in the nature of those for whom he acts. In other words, Jesus Christ was not just one God from another bunch of gods, but he was God in flesh. Why? Because he, first of all, has the nature and attributes of him toward whom he acts. That's us. Amen. But he also participates in the nature's, nature of those for whom he acts. Tell somebody, God participated in our nature. 
God became one like us. Am I preaching to anybody? First Timothy 2 and 5 said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Who is it? The man, Christ Jesus. Tell somebody, Jesus has done this. Hebrews 9 and 15, and to Jesus, the mediator, everybody say the mediator of the new covenant. For me to get God and God to get to me, he comes in the likeness of our sinful flesh. He has my nature and my attributes and participates in my nature because he's acting on my behalf. When God died in the man Christ Jesus, amen, he did it for us. There was atonement, which means an exchange. A change of the part of one party induced by the action on behalf of the other party. The shed blood of Jesus is on our behalf bringing us into great change. As I close, amen, reconciled means, amen, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. It means to change from enmity to friendship in our relationship with God. It is what God accomplishes, exercising his grace towards sinful man on the ground of the death of Jesus Christ under the judgment due to sin. Because of this man and their sinful condition and alienation from God are invited to be reconciled to him by and through the blood of Jesus. So Romans 5 and 10 expresses this in another way. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, Enemies here, it not only expresses man's hostile attitude to God, but signifies that until this change of attitude takes place, men are under condemnation, exposed to God's wrath. If you've never been born again, we're exposed to his wrath. Now, his wrath's not gonna fall on us right now, but after the rapture, when Jesus comes and takes his church away, he will withdraw his spirit from this atmosphere be total chaos and confusion in this world. The death of Jesus Christ is the means of the removal of this wrath and thus we can now receive reconciliation. Stand with me. This gives us peace with God. The peace of God is we were born again. But peace with God is now we're not facing judgment. God was in Christ. Everybody say God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Everybody say the world to himself. Justified is the acquittal, the act of pronouncing one righteous. So because of Calvary and his shed blood, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he can now announce announce our acquittal. Romans 4, 25, who was delivered for our offenses. Now you think of Calvary, you've seen movies about it, you've seen clips about it, commercials people have put together the best they could. Think about it. He was delivered. He went through all of that for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Offenses is side slip. That's literally... From the Greek, it means side slip, unintentional error. But he also died for our willful transgressions, our blunders, our lapse from unrighteousness. To redeem is the ransom paid in full, to deliver by paying the price. 
to purchase in the market, to remove from the slave auction, to buy out of the market, never to be exposed to further sale, to deliver from physical torture. Do you understand when God forgives you of your sins and you're water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission, the blotting out of those sins, you are now redeemed. When you feel we're filled with the Holy Ghost, just what happened? When you began to speak in other tongues, those sounds come out of you you didn't understand. That means you are born again and you will never be exposed to further sale. The devil can't sell you from one habit to another. You can't start out smoking a joint and then once that wears out, you got to up, you, up your stuff a little. You can go that for a couple of years and once that wears out, you got to go to another level and then another level and to where now if you take some drugs just one time is all it takes you're an immediate addict you'll rob your mom and your dad your best friend you'll rob you'll rob your own store you'll steal money out of it why? because sin when it is finished bringeth forth death everybody say amen so as your hands are raised well he died how do I know he's alive? Luke 4, 24 and 13 said he appeared to two men on the road to Emmaus after his death and burial. Luke 24, 33, he appears to the 11 disciples. John 20, he appeared to the 11 disciples and Thomas who said, I will not believe unless I see. And a few days later, Jesus walks through the walls and says, Thomas, behold, it is I. The hands, Thomas. Here, Thomas, look, put, thrust your hand in my side where they threw the spear. Come on, Thomas, you don't believe me? John 21 and 14, he appeared to the 11. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 5, he was seen of Cephas, then the 12 disciples. Verse 6 says, after that, he appeared by more than 500 brethren at one time. Verse 7 said, he was seen of James, then all the apostles. Verse 8, Paul says, last of all, he was seen of me also. Everybody say, Jesus is alive because he appeared to men. And I know you're saying, well, now that's, that, was, that was 2,020 years ago. I, I, I just don't understand. I, I don't know if I believe that. What's the greatest sign of the resurrection? Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 and 4 said, being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, but ye shall receive the power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And 10 days passed. Started out with 500 people in the room. They were waiting. And as time ticked, Two or three walked out. 15, 20 more walked out. Another couple of days, 100 left. Another couple of days, 200 left. All through 10 days until finally 
380 people were in the upper room like the Lord said but they left and when the Holy Ghost came on that 10th day there was 120 in that room and the Bible says when the Holy Ghost fell it fell on all of them and they began to speak with other tongues just like you did a while ago why? why would he do that? Because he's taking control of our most unruly member, which is our tongue. He's taking control of it, and you're speaking out words. You don't understand them. It won't be Spanish or English or language you speak, but it'll be another language. How does it happen? When God fills you with his spirit, you are born again when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and then baptized in Jesus' name for the remission, the removal, the blotting out. Do you remember the day you were baptized? Do you remember what it was like when God washed your sins away? You didn't just, listen, you didn't just get in a tank. You didn't just get in a tank of water dry and they put you down and you came up wet. No, no, no. When they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I now baptize you for the remission, the blotting out, the removal of your sins. When they put you into that water, bring you back up. In God's mind you are just like Adam and Eve. You are now perfect without sin. Everything I've ever done wrong when I was baptized in Jesus' name, June 29th, 1978, Sunday morning, I remember walking to the top of that baptistry. Gilbert Davis was getting baptized. I was 16 years old looking at that tank. And I looked and just, oh my God, just shocked. It's like, oh my God. The tank was light blue from the top down to the top of the water. And from the water down to the bottom of the tank, it was rusty brown silver. And my mind, I thought, oh my God, look what sins have done to this tank. I had no idea that the water had made the paint chip off and it rusted the tank. I was 16-year-old stupid. In my mind, when I saw that tank, I began to weep, tears run. Oh my God. Now I could swim the back of this church underwater and all the way back. And I thought, man, I am not closing my eyes. I'm, I want to see what happens when this sin leaves my body. I stepped down in that tank. Brother Wayland said, Greg, are you ready? I said, yes, sir. He said, hold your nose. I said, hold your wrist. Yes, sir. He said, Greg Godwin, because you have all received the Holy Ghost, said you got it Friday night. Evidence by speaking with other tongues. He said, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus for remission of sins. When he did, I went, my eyes were wide open. He put me back in that tank, and uh, he baptized Gilbert pretty quick. I now baptize you in Jesus' name. But when he put me down, he, I felt like he went. I felt like he held me under there two or three more seconds just to make sure I got good and washed. Put me down. And I had my eyes open. I didn't see one thing spark. But when he brought me up out of that water, I felt light as a feather. Why? Not just because they were washed away, but because he had forgot it. He never remembers me again as a sinner. Tell somebody he never remembers me as a sinner. Oh, Jesus. Now, why are you stuttering, preacher? Because I have memory. Man, I got a memory. Oh, God. And I can remember stuff. But as soon as I do, I can hear God say, I don't know what you're talking about. 
because God has no record of my sins. Why? Because I was born again. I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission. And I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Tell somebody, I've been born again of the water and of the Spirit.